Welcome. Oh. When should I start? Wait, I'm gonna go live. Hi everyone and welcome back to a wise woman once said. I'm gonna do that again. There's too much noise in the background. It's literally picking up every tiny. Ready? Let me know when you're ready and I'll start. I'm ready. Hi everyone. Welcome back to A Wise Woman Once Said with Bliss and Ray. Ray, why are you laughing? <laughs> this sounds so nice though. What is this seductive music? Yes, do you know what? Because me and Ray are in a new studio setup and we can hear ourselves through the headphones and it sounds really nice. Okay. Um, hi guys. So welcome back. Hi, Ray. Welcome back, hi. welcome back, welcome back, guys. Um Oh my god, episode two, season two, we're back. Yay. We were back last week, but now we've proper back. Yes, we are. Um, I'm excited for today's episode. I think last week, because it was kind of um all over the place. Um, yeah, I felt like I yeah, it was kind of just like a catch-up, so it wasn't very structured, it was very fluid and all over the gaff, so I'm happy for today because it's a bit more structured. We know what we're going to talk about. We actually want to talk about stuff. Um, so that's going to be fun. Make sure you guys are all following us on Instagram. What the hell? <laughs> Do you want to say that? Um, so it's at a WWO podcast. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to set up my live. Rage, you want to introduce? Yeah, what are we talking about today again? topic. Um... We wanted to cover a couple of things in it, but the two key ones was basically, um, you brought it up actually. Tell me, tell, tell the reason why you wanted oh. to talk about it. Oh, so you're gonna start with mine, yeah? Yeah, we'll um, start with yours. So I wanted to speak about, well, advice to my younger self, like advice I'd give to my younger self. Um, I've actually made a video on this and there's just i only really highlighted like five major is it five something like that i did like the topic the conversation is so layered but yeah i just really think it's important um you know as older women as mature women now i'm 25 bliss said older women people are about <laughs> to laugh at this right now big or whatever like no, what? but i i'm older i'm older than i was when i was 15 that's 10 years experience right my yeah. maths are correct. So, you know, I'm older. I have 10 more years experience than I did when I was 15. And, and now I feel like I'm in a place where younger women are, I'm coming across younger women that are, that may look up to me, that I inspire and that I feel like a sense of responsibility when it comes to helping them and assisting them on their journey so yeah i thought it'd be a good conversation for both of us because i feel like me and ray are very level-headed we give great advice if i just say so myself so yeah that's this this is the kind of this is why i wanted to have this conversation um so we'll start how should we start the dialogue i think i'll ask you uh when you was 15 what, what was your mindset like and what were the things you was looking forward to Oh, oh my God. <laughs> wow, okay. Um, hold on a second. So, when I was 15, honey, I was, I was, I was, <laughs> I was very troublesome. Do you know what? I was, I guess, rebellious. 
would be the the better suited word i was adventurous and i kind of done what i wanted to not that i was allowed to do what i wanted to but that didn't stop me from doing what i wanted to and i got into all kind of mischief i started smoking when i was 14 um don't do that i was very young and yeah and do you know what i always had in my head as a child like i'm never gonna grow up and smoke cigarettes so i didn't mess with cigarettes i just started smoking weed at 14 and i wasn't really in the alcohol i think that you know if i had to pick one i'd rather be like you know amongst the the stoners quote unquote other than like the drunk tards that i wasn't trying to go out raving and getting drunk and i wasn't in that i just didn't like alcohol it didn't taste nice to me um but yeah i started smoking and you know i grew up in tottenham i grew up in the hood and spent a lot of time like on the blogs and whatever and just doing regular you know naughty teenage shit like i would go out late and late could be like 11 12 never past like 2 a.m then it's like what are you doing um but yeah just used to go to my friend's house they were obviously a lot older at the time um would chill smoke eat watch movies like just do regular um well it wasn't regular you shouldn't be doing that at 14 but yeah so i was very rebellious um then i obviously got introduced to boys at an early age not that i wanted to like i came out of primary school thinking that boys are disgusting like i don't want anything to do with them so i wasn't i i feel like boys and girls they mature at very different rates and sex is kind of introduced to men at a lot at an earlier stage than it is to women right so i'm not thinking about kissing boys and all of this stuff like ew i, I wasn't interested in that but i feel like because of my lack of preparation mm -hmm. it caused me to end up in certain situations with men that i wasn't able to like gauge because i wasn't taught the signs you know i wasn't taught that okay if a guy is doing a b c this means a b c so i feel like i'm going into my whole life story but yeah, yeah but <laughs> we need to really, we need okay cool so I'm not, it's not too much right um okay so then what happened then yeah then i got introduced to boys that's my virginity um very oh child you're really going there <laughs> But you told me to. <laughs> Sis, I didn't know we were spilling tea at like four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay, well, yeah, obviously. Um, yeah. So anyways, 14 now. We're still on 14, you know. Um, uh, I'm going through my whole last story. But yeah, basically got involved with, involved with boys at a young age. And from that age is 14 to say... I don't even know, maybe like 19. Kind of not hated boys, but yeah, it wasn't really, I didn't really like boys like that. I didn't really have a lot of respect for them because I felt like they didn't have a lot of respect for me. And um, yeah, it kind of took a long time for me to get to the place I'm at now. But honestly, I've been through everything. I'm not going to sit here and go through my life story because it's hella long. And this is not the, the time, this is not an interview for, about my life. Um, but just to give some context, I used to smoke. I got involved with boys at a young age. Um, then I just kind of started rebelling from there. Then I started getting tattoos, piercings. As you can see, I have quite, well, you can't see, but just imagine me. I have a lot of tattoos. Um, so, yeah. What about you, Ray? Let's, let's move on. Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to see, I'm going to start at 15. 
15. I can't remember this mad because I actually can't fully remember 15. Mm. Like, I remember 14, but I just don't remember 15. Um, what was I doing at 15? I, I done a lot of like, because I looked older, I done a lot of like clubbing at like 15, 14, 15 16, 17. I used to like go clubs like on the weekends. And because I lived at the time, obviously I had moved to the Midlands from South. I used to basically spend my weekends in South London mm. uh, and then just come back on a Sunday evening. So when I was in South London, oh my God, we went to Shubs. Oh yeah, We Shubs. had no business being in. Um, oh my days. <sighs> Anyways. Why yeah, was continue. we risking our life like this? No, please, because every time we went to a party in South, it got shot up. Why wow. are 15 year olds... 16 year olds having access to firearms. I never understood that. Let but anyway, let me just tell the 15 year old story. So, um, obviously, carnival, I, I done the whole kind of like teenage kind of thing, partied. Um, but talk an example of the shubs, knowing that it's dangerous. So, bear in mind, my, my cousins and a lot are from a certain area of South London. Therefore, it really meant I had no business being in, in a certain area of South London. So uh, anyways, I can talk about it now because this, this is old news, but I was in Peckham and my cousins and not off. I'm like, Stockwell, you know, that kind of sides. Mm -hmm. So we end up in Peckham in some shubs. Our other cousin took us there. When I tell you these shubs was rammed, it was like a, I think the house was like this size here, but there was so mm -hmm. many people in there that you could barely like walk through. Mm -hmm. So now I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you know, you just gas. Like, I'm just thinking, First of all, as an adult, if I was to walk into that room, I was like, where is the exit? Like, where are the exits in case something was to happen here? Yeah. And it's like, there's, def there's definitely no exit. So, mm. like, if there was to be something happening, people would be trampling on each other. And, and I thought to myself, what the hell? So, I think some guy must have came. And you know when you just know someone comes in and the vibe changes? Like, everyone becomes an alert. Mm -hmm. So, my older cousin was like, girls time to step out because something's about to happen bear in mind we weren't supposed to be in peckham in the first place <laughs> and there's certain man that's rolled in there mm -hmm. so i think it kicks off and we basically just duck out like well like we can hear it kicking off as we left but i was like thank god it never happened to me mm -hmm. but like another situation where i think it was in south london once again being in areas i have no business being in like i've ha i feel like at that age you have like a death wish like you're challenging death you're challenging life like like i can do this you're just fearless and it's good i like that i like it's that. great but i could have probably died many times <laughs> i mean we all could have so i was on the bus in a certain area i had no business being in there a guy recognized me and my other cousin saying that you're so-and-so's cousin aren't you you're not supposed to be here and then listen south man them yeah obviously if you're from north gal dog they don't wear hair you like and you weren't you didn't go south you know like you the rumors yeah you, you know what i'm saying the rumors about south back in the day like it just wasn't a place you really went you just didn't go there okay because you just didn't go there south was a very scary area and if you're from north you were just staying in north and doing that's why every time we went to south party got shot up what no so yeah, after and this is the thing, like back in the day, no one was really taking trains like that. Like underground was there, but you had free oyster card, you're broke, you get like five pounds a week, if that. So why are you gonna go and fast like yourself and get trains? So we used to get a bus everywhere. So I think we got like four buses to get to South and then the party got shut up and then we had
had to get four buses back home. And then when you're in North, there's the N279, and that bus is always packed. The night buses are always packed. Oh, just memories. But yeah, South was just a place that you didn't have no business being. Why are you going to somewhere that you have to get four buses? You just stay in your area, please. Um, but yeah, I think we've all been in situations 100%. that compromised our lives, but don't realize like the severity of that now that we're like when we was younger, because it's like I wasn't scared, I was nothing, I was fine, just like party getting shut up it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think now being a teenager has changed like drastically, and I think that yeah obviously the culture grows the culture matures it changes but nowadays uh, i don't even know <laughs> like they i mean yeah like i said i didn't grow up in the drinking environment i think i went club once when i was 18 and this was just because i was allowed to go even though i'd been out before like do you know where the raves I went? I went to like the Yardy raves because anyone could get into them. Yeah, they didn't wasn't, really care. Yeah, it wasn't an issue like that. But as far as like going clubbing in Central, it never really interested me because there's hella white people there and it's just like, uh, like occasionally they'll play bangers. But this was when the club scene wasn't so developed. Um, but yeah, I just never really liked it. And then the one day that I did go out with my friend, we turned 18. Some guy ended up touching my, my best friend inappropriately and I had to throw my drink on him. And then after that, we just but went out again and that was it for me the going out stuff um but yeah do you want to talk about the boys yeah the boys i think 15 was the was the year that obviously our last memory was before that and we're not this close the time you must said obviously <laughs> um yeah i lost my just before that but i think 15 i was not doing anything it was like it was that with that year i just didn't do anything I was just very much like, I want to party, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do that. I never got into the smoking business. I just, I think I tried and I was like, this is definitely not for me. Like I was coughing all Mm. the time. It just, it was like, no, do it like this. It just never worked. So I just Mm. never, I never done it. Um, But drinking was much easier because you just, you know, just take it. And that, that was it. It's quite, it's much more of an easier drug, I would say. I know that's right. Yeah. And and listen, do you know what I used to drink? I used to drink Caribbean Twist. 4%. 4%. I wasn't an Alizé girl. Because I, I know people were getting licked off Alizé. People, Alizé was fucking up people's organs. So I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing Alizé. Alizé was dangerous. Because people were backing it and they were getting, they weren't even getting drunk. They were getting disgusting. So I used to have my little um, w- WKD. That's WKD a, was the drink. Caribbean um, twist, the fruit punch one. Mm-hmm. And that was it. That was it as far as alcohol for me. Then I tried Maggie and that when I got older. Um, oh, yeah. No, I used to do I, Maggie back then. Like, Yeah, I never liked it. Yeah, see, I was into Maggie. Yeah, I used like to do that. Maggie back then. And I used to do... Do you know what I got into at one point as well? Oh, yeah, back then I was I was ex- at like 17 or something like that. I was absolutely obsessed with Jack Daniels. Like, everyone knew if Ray's coming, nice Ray too. needs her Jack Daniels. Like, <laughs> on my 16th birthday party... I was, um, it was at my mom's house. I was on my mom's dining table with two bottles of JDs in my hand and dancing on the table. Like, Skink. JD was my drink. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah, I used to like JD and Boost. JD and Boost was wow, a vibe. Child, you're really out here just trying to raise your, 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 your heart rate. <laughs> JD and Boost. I could stomach that. 
and um disarona i wasn't really messing with disarona vodka i'd have vodka lemonade i had this around later and i was like oh this is sweet it's kind of like it kind of just gave me grown because i was because i was a jd girl when someone gave me something i was like oh, what's this sweet drink what am i supposed to do with this sweet drink right and i'm there backing it like nothing care there you get i was yeah i was in someone's i was in someone's like bedroom or something but they had such a big bedroom they had like a sofa and mm. we're chilling 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 so i'm now drinking this in toronto oh i need to go for a wee stood up when i tell you that thing lick me off i was like <laughs> it got you <laughs> sorry it got you i wasn't really a henny fan henny is the devil's drink like i hated it anything can happen i think my friend was trying to guess me up about it she's like oh that henny's like a obviously I, i've been bougie in it so she's trying to sell me off on like oh it's like a bougie drink and like it's mm. expensive the guys with the money buy henny in the club but this time <laughs> henny was like a bit expensive in the club and i still didn't like it it tastes like the devil's piss like i hated it not, like, please not. give me jd i will take jd yeah jd was over nice. henny any day JD was actually nice but you know henny became a tumbler alcohol like it became an aesthetic because everyone was posing with the hennessy bottles mm -hmm. Yeah, like they would hold the um what's that called the neck of the bottle and it'll be on instagram it'll be on tumblr it'll be on pinterest it was a very aesthetic drink i never really liked it um but yeah so i wasn't really a big alcohol fan i don't drink now um i just don't like being drunk i've been drunk like three times in my life and i've done some embarrassing stuff embarrassing are, are you, you are not embarrassed you... <laughs> <laughs> i think okay cool i um have you been drunk before like drunk drunk yeah, like yeah. drunk girl uh, that was the drunk girl at the party there's always one drunk girl at the party um, i've been that drunk girl at the party i'm trying to think i've been sloppy drunk. yes i have i have morocco morocco oh, if, yeah, if i would never let me live down this morocco <laughs> trip like she would just randomly out of nowhere sometimes be like do you remember this picture and i'm thinking she's about to show me like, she's showing me just like this oh yeah we've all been that drunk girl next at the to party. the pool like but do you know what yeah the first time i got drunk i didn't know i was drunk i didn't know like because before that, I'm like, yeah, I drink, but I don't really get drunk. I've never experienced being drunk. All my days, like you said, with the Disarano, it hits you. You're like, okay, I am drunk. You can't <laughs> taste the drink no more. It tastes like water. <laughs> like you can't see here. You could just see forward, and you're you're saying you're you're talking so chesty. Yeah, I done a lot of stuff when I was um, sloppy drunk, but I don't drink anymore. So it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, so that's a bit of context to our childhood a very like small 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 piece of context yeah, because small. like randomly i just be remembering stuff about my childhood and me and my best friend like i hope one day she comes to my youtube and makes a video of me because we have so many stories so many stories and i just be remembering random stuff um about our past um but yeah okay well let's get to the main bit of the podcast yeah. um that was just for your entertainment um so what do you wish that someone had told you at the time? Oh, you're, so you're 15, you're fresh in everything, um, learning new things. What is one piece of advice that someone gave to you and that you actually would have implemented? Um, what is one piece of advice that someone gave to me? It doesn't have to be like a major, just something that I'm you, one little thing. Um, I feel like at that time I was just so dismissive of other people's opinion. Like I was just very it's much. It's good. Like, <laughs> I, I was just, yeah, like I was just very dismissive of other people's opinion. It was just like, okay, well, I'm going to do what mm. I want to do. Like, there you missed that. 
So yeah, it was just very much like freeing, mm-hmm. and it, and and there's greatness in that as well. But I feel like, um, I think patience because I feel like for me, I'm such a like a goal getter. I put so much pressure on myself at that age. Mm-hmm. That's when I started writing like timeline goals. And like mm. having to do certain things at a certain time. And what would happen is that if I would get to that certain time, like like the kind of stuff you used to tell yourself at 15, 15, 14, like, oh, I'll be married by 25 or kids, have Bro. my house, da, 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 da. And it's like, sis, that's not realistic. Yeah, if, do you know what? I wish certain things did go to plan, but um, I'm happy i not married with kids at 25. Yeah, that, no. But what I thought was going to happen is that, oh, yeah, like, when I get to 16 or 18, I'm going to have my boyfriend and I'm going to lose my virginity to him. That was my plan. That's the only plan I really had, you know. I'm, <laughs> I'm 14. I'm not thinking about man. I'm not thinking about, yes, like, in the future, I want to be married. But that's not something that was, out like, of my concern. I just thought, that, oh, yeah, I'll have a boyfriend when I'm 16 and then I'll lose my virginity that way. It wasn't ever something I really sat down and fought hard about. Like, oh, my no. God. Like, I was just... When did I even start my period, bro? Like, do you know what I mean? There were so many other things going on. And I was I was also horse riding. So that took up a lot of my time and my energy. So, so I mean, I wasn't really fixated on, like, the relationships. It was yeah. only... But I feel like that lack of preparation led me to the situations that I ended up in. So I would have wished that someone said, don't waste your youth on boys. Like, don't do it. Um, and obviously, not only that, but I wish someone would have like, because yes, they tell us to stay away from boys, but there's good and bad to that because it removes the space for having like constructive conversations with us on how to have healthy relationships with boys. I wish someone would have done that. I wish I think, instead I think of- parents kind of forget that part, right? They don't remember um, that specifically, especially as a 15, 14, 16 year old, yeah, you're always asking the whys. Don't make a statement and yeah. think I'm just gonna consume it because I didn't did it at that time, your brain is still trying to learn new things. You're still trying to conceptualize things and take things in. So when someone, when a parent just tells you, you can't do this, yeah, but you're why? like, if you can't like, tell me why, cause you can't, then I'm still going to end up doing it because you can't mm-hmm. give me a good enough reason as to why I can't do that. It just sounds like, oh, you're just trying to make me not have fun. And just trying to be controlling and just trying to be the adult and trying to assert your authority. Mm-hmm. And I think that, yes, like boys and girls shouldn't be concerned about, you know, really stressing about relationships and whatnot when they're in their teens. But also we need to, we should have been, we should have been told how to have healthy platonic relationships together, how to, if you are going to like someone, how to like them in a healthy way, what looks like this or looks like that instead of, instead of telling us to stay away from each other. And then what happens is we're dysfunctional what for our whole teenage years and some people even through the whole twenties. And then you turn around and say, you're 35 now, you're 40. Why are you not married? Why do you not have children? Because bro, I'm trying to heal from stuff that I went through in my childhood that you didn't provide me with the proper tools to deal with. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's not that men, it's not that boys and girls shouldn't interact. They shouldn't have relationships. Instead of making us like, or trying to install fear in our heads of each other and us connecting, actually sit us down and have proper conversations. And you know, just because it just promotes so much division and these negative connotations. And a lot of them are detrimental. You know, boys being boys, that saying, um, if a boy like, picks on you it means he likes you like all of these things they very dangerous yeah because they continue throughout life and if that's your only understanding 
what's happening when you're 25, 27 and the guy you like is picking on you and this turns into domestic violence. He's neglecting you emotionally, physically, spiritually. Do you know what I mean? So I think that- You start to attach that as being- a way love. of someone as showing love towards you because that's how mm-hmm. you were taught that a man shows interest towards you by actually being physically mean. somehow mean and actually pain yeah. it teaches pain as being a good thing so yeah when it hits you it's like no it's not a bad thing he's just hitting me because he cares he loves me yeah and it teaches us to measure our love based on how much pain we can take from someone and i think that is the mood that's what i thought i thought that oh because i've been with this guy for xyz amount of months because my longest relationship was like two years um and he put me through all of this i must love him because why would i stay with someone that's done all of this stuff to me and i don't love him like i must love him if you know I've taken him back after he's done this, after he's done that, he's cheated this, he said that, he's called me this, he's called me that. I must love him, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was my point of reference for, like, love. And, you know, basing it on the amount of pain that that person caused me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just think that I didn't have a healthy conception of what it meant to be loved. And to also love someone because I wasn't, you know, in my right mind frame either so not only was i receiving like this weird idea of what love is but also i wasn't giving it i wasn't giving healthy love um to my partner at the time when i was like what's however old i was 16 17 so yeah i think on both sides it's very important to really um have a a have a (laughs) girl <laughs> <laughs> did i just throw you off your track yes yes um but yeah have a healthy point of reference mm-hmm. to what love looks like and you know a lot of it does stem from home mm-hmm. obviously my mom loved me big up my mom but you know there's a lot of things that she didn't sit me down and have the conversations with me i remember asking one day i don't remember how old i was but i saw a tampon in it and i'm like what's this and she's like oh don't worry you're gonna use it when you're older but we never had a conversation about that afterwards. She just gave me some little period book and said, hey, and gave me the book to read. And it's like, how am I supposed to now, you know, as a teen, as a young 20 year old, supposed to feel comfortable to come with you speaking about these things when you've shown me that this is an awkward thing, you know, you've made it awkward for me. I didn't come out of the womb thinking, oh yeah, periods are awkward or sex and boys are awkward. like, you know, I've learned that from somewhere. So there were so many missed opportunities but also, you know, when you know better, you do better. Maybe that's how the conversations went when she was young. And then that's, you know, my nan. And it's a whole, 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 whole cycle. So I'm here to break that cycle. Trust and believe. Um, I'm definitely going to be super open with my children. They're not going to know about Santa Claus, okay? Or any of that BS. So I'm going to be as transparent as possible. But sometimes you have to sell children little dreams, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I think it's important when it's things that can potentially affect us like further down the line you know yeah i think um i was waiting because i didn't want to jump into that and bring the whole epigenetic thing into it because that is exactly why like we were talking about parents like and just not being able to um to be able to teach you better because they may not have known better and bringing it into the next subject conversation being epigenetic and how these kind of things are passed on even with even without the parent even saying anything to you or even passed on from a, a grand a grandparent or great grandparent because they say i think it goes as far as like a great grandparent as far as that apparently mm. um 
and just not knowing these things like uh, the reason why you may have been more like we were just talking about the difference between the two of us right you were more inclined to do smoking at that age than, than you was anything else there may be another underlining genetic thing behind that in which that led to that right and mm-hmm. and then <laughs> sorry guys you can't see what she's doing but in the video you can see what she's doing she's like chewing away from the mic because we're so used to like eating when we're all live and doing the podcast i'm hungry sorry carry on um yeah and and for me it's just like yes yeah, so i talk about inclined being inclined to um, smoke more than um than actually drinking whereas for me but if i think about it like that in my family um there were a lot of people that were that were like more heavy drinkers than anything i'm not saying i was a heavy drinker but genetically i was just more inclined to go down that route than i was to go down the smoking route mm-hmm. there yeah. you go like my father drank my mother didn't drink at all but my father's side they had a lot more drinkers mm-hmm. so for me it was that was just like genetically i didn't even realize but if you think about it yeah that is the reason why i went there so mm. but the reason why i want to talk about epigenetics because I'm reading this book, guys, and it's literally just blown my mind um, about just in general how karma and epigenetics are completely intertwined into each other. I think when we talk about karma, we see it as more being reflective in a spiritual sense mm-hmm. and less in the actual physical sense. Yeah. And I think epigenetic is the connection of the biological and physical sense a lot of people are trying to attach things to. So um, in the book, it's just um, a therapist uh, going through just sessions in which he's uh, done with a few people. With a plethora of stories, there's people, you know, um, that have um, a history of their family that went through Holocaust, you know, and survivors of many things. And I know that I've read a few years back about um, black people in general in America carrying certain trauma along Mm -hmm. with them because of what their ancestors went through, you know, and that kind of pain body um, is carried through generation on generation. And because nobody's been able to cut it off a lot of the time, it's just going to keep recycling itself, right? So it, <laughs> it's going to keep recycling itself. And I wanted to just give an example of, I don't know which one I should I use. Should I use the lady that was overweight or should I use the... Gen- the um, yeah, that's a great one. That's I really a great one. enjoyed I think that I'm, one. Yeah, I think I'm going to mention the lady that was overweight. So basically... Um, in the book, he talks about um, a lady who was, I think, in her 30s or 40s, and she was extremely overweight, around 300 pounds, completely just low and just not feeling happy with herself. She completely isolated herself and basically just lived by herself and didn't interact with no one. And, you know, she always said to herself, like, oh, I'm going to die alone. Like, nobody wants me. You know, my body's betrayed me. I think she was about 300 pounds. So she, she just said these things to herself. And when she went to see the therapist and the therapist done this thing where he specifically just pick apart words that she said that went directly correlated to what she's experiencing, right? So when she was saying that my body betrayed me, he had to break it down further. It's like, how did your body betray you in, in this current state, right? So then he asked her to sort of do to like a family tree breakdown of things that's um, like her family's been through. And she was able to then later on find out. She used to say my body betrayed me and all this other stuff and how, like, you know, I'm suffocating. I'm alone. I have no one. Like, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to die alone. Come to find out basically her grandmother 
had an issue during her pregnancy with her uncles basically to a point where that led to the babies in her in her belly to suffocate and not receive enough oxygen to the point which when they were born they had um high disabilities that's so the element in which she kept saying to herself that my body failed me these were the words in which her grandmother was saying to herself and others that's how she felt it's such a deep-rooted trauma that her grandma died alone and and when when she talks when it's talk about like her removing herself from people and living by herself and not seeing no one which is exactly the same thing that happened with her uncles that the grandma gave birth to that had disability they were in a basement didn't see no one you know they kind of were just like out out of this world and just not not part of the rest of the world which is exactly what she done so he was explaining how when she was a young girl she 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 didn't really um interact with people a lot at the time because she felt like an outsider mm-hmm. but as she became a woman she started to put on the weight to separate herself from the world even further to make herself less appealing to the world not knowing that she's repeating her grandmother's wars her grandmother's traumas her grandmother's pain and in the therapy session that he talks about i think don't quote me on age so i wanted you guys to read the book and he talks about how he tells a lot of his patients i want you to imagine the person that has passed on this trauma to you and i want you to tell them like i know you wouldn't want me to be going through what i'm going through now mm-hmm. i know you don't want me to go through this pain mm-hmm. and i'm gonna Seriously? leave i'm gonna leave this with you because this isn't my fight this isn't mm-hmm. my pain and it's just about relinquishing that because because it's funny with what the brain does even if the person is not there if you're able to express it in a certain way people are able to release these traumas that they've had for years and years and years and this lady was able to change her life yeah that's amazing and i think as well like back to what you were saying you see how i just segued that was just a great segue um to tie into the conversation i think that back to what you were saying about the alcohol as well like um my dad a bit of context has struggled um still struggling with drug addiction and um and also my mom to a degree struggles with some sort of addiction hers may not be um drugs but you know it's definitely um i want to say this in like a delicate way but it's it's her addiction is food and because she has issues with eating so for me as the child i i never really considered my my mom an addict in that way not in the same way as my dad but i i worry sometimes because of the dna that you know will, will these behaviors be passed on to me and you know for all i know they can be passed on to me and they can't be, they can be passed through me and skip onto my children or skip onto my children's children so i know that it can feel like a burden sometimes that we you know are essentially the generation that is changing everything that is breaking the curses but it's so necessary because even though something may not get passed on to us it can still get passed through us you know and i think it's important to do the deep dive into your your family's history and to know the habits and the behaviors of those who came before you because you literally are them like you literally are them they say all the time the apple don't fall too far from the tree history repeats itself you know you literally like your your 
your mum morphed you, bro. <laughs> like your you actually came out of your mum, like a whole human being. Like when you're actually deep down, you know, having a child and creating a child and birthing a child, it's very, very like it's a very like it's a transformative spooky. Like it's yeah, very transformative. It's spooky, bro. Like my mother um, my mother says having bro. a child is um it's the gateway between the living and the dead. It's and, crazy. And it's like it's the gateway between like the living and the spirit world. She said it's such an instrumental situation, like giving birth and all of that. She just she she she, she used to say it, and I never used to really like pay attention. Mm. But now I definitely understand exactly what she means because it truly is the portal. Bruh, it's spooky. Like a whole there was no human being in there before. And now one has come out. It's not like one went in and one came out. The human had to grow inside. Like that was their home. When are you ever else? When are you ever gonna live inside another human being? Like living, being in your mother's womb is a like. I just feel like this is high talk, but it's really deep. Like when you actually think about it, so it's definitely important. And not only do your due diligence on your history, but if you are with someone and planning to have children with them. You need to check into their history as well because, honey, you know what I'm saying? Not only for, like, the medical side, so if Everything. they have, like, any medical history, but, you know, what their parents are like, what their parents' parents were like, what their parents' parent, parent like, everything, even cousins, honey. Like, when like, in the book, he asks, like, he's like, um, like, find out family traumas, who who, who killed themselves, who had mental health issues, who... Who, um, who lost a child, mm. all of these things. Like one of the stories in the book, he's talking about a, a, a man who comes to him absolutely angry, came out of jail, was jailed for three years because his business partner set him mm. up. He basically didn't do anything wrong. Come to find out his grandfather murdered somebody and got away with it in technicalities in court. So didn't end up going to jail for it. So now karmically, genetically, he went to jail for his grandfather's sins because mm. he didn't end up doing anything. But, and then he talks about something poignant that made me think, wow, That's like it blew crazy. my mind. He said, you need to also ask your family members. If somebody killed someone by accident, you need to get the person's who was killed's name because they then become part of your bloodline. That's crazy. And I was like, child, this is a scientist talking like this. Because you know what? If, if you can birth someone and they be a part of your family, you know, give you give life and also take it away. You know, like that's that's some deep stuff. Everything has a polar, right? There you go. That's crazy. That I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought. No, but that. you've taken something. You've taken yes. something. You know, not only have you taken it away, but you've taken it and you know, energetically, spiritually, like ritually. That's a whole ritual, bro. Killing someone, you like kill someone. Didn't go to jail with it. They were like, yeah, his grandfather went to live a very long life. It does. Then his grandfather had his dad. And that's he history was now. Born, and he went and spent three years in jail. He was so angry. He was, and they were talking about like, he, he even, he's been having like murderous thoughts, like thinking I'm going to oh kill my goodness. business partner, blah, 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 blah. <gasps> and then he's like, you're just thinking the ways in which your grandfather was thinking at the yep. time in which he done that. The reason why you ended up going to jail for something you never even done was because you had to pay for the sins of your grandfather. And you have to relinquish that anger, relinquish those things. And it's like, how do you even come to accept something like this? Bro, it's so, so, so deep. It's so deep. And the thing is, right, like karma, it can be reversed. 100%. And, you know, we also, you know, like you're basically explaining here that, yes, on the physical side of things, we have at least like 80 plus more years of karma to come back for whatever we've done. Um, 
But I think now, generationally, like generationally, it's catching up with people. And like I said before, it's a burden. But if you don't want to pass this down to your, you know, the generations that are going to come after you, then you have a degree of responsibility. And just for yourself as well, like the heathen starts with you. You're, you, you're not, I mean, you may not be able to perfect your line because you can only do your part, but doing your part is going to make such a big difference because, um, you know, the decisions that you make, they in turn affect other people, other people around you, other people that are going to come out of you if you're a woman, you know? Um, but yeah, that's some deep stuff. I like yeah. that. And I think for the for the Christians in the room, I don't know if some of you guys say that my mother was... I never used to understand what she was doing. And I don't think she even knows, but I think she has an understanding that things get passed on. Mm. Um, I think she's thinking spiritualized, right? So she always used to say, like, in her prayers, not always used to, she still says it, I hear her, in her prayers saying, I break all chains and all burdens and traumas being passed on from generation. That mm -hmm. stops here. There's going to be no more. Yes. I don't want my children to have it. I don't want to experience it. And I never used to understand why she said that. And now it just all makes sense. These I things. Did, yeah. So when I was driving to that, I was like, okay, oh, I, I need to find out more about my mother's side. Cause he was talking about, you need to find out about all your uncles. Because mm. he goes, all your uncles, but he said, it doesn't matter about the children, just your uncles. The so direct, your mother's that, brother? Yeah. My, my mom's brother. Okay. I was like, my mom's got plenty of brothers and sisters. There's so many. Mm -hmm. Cause there was in the story, there was a lady who was experiencing her, her, her aunt's pain. She was, she was in in Germany um, during the Nazi area. She suffocated, you know, in one of those gas chambers, you know, oh, and dear. and she lived her life as a, 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 it was a young girl complaining of like she every day she'll complain that she's suffocating and she feels like she can't breathe and all of these kind of things. And then to come to find out, mm -hmm. come to find come to find out, out dun, her dun, grandfather, dun. um, come to find out, come to find out her grandfather and her auntie actually died in one of those gas chambers oh my days see this is deep bro i'm gonna have to look into this as well because do you know what i find yeah my family has a lot of secrets a lot of secrets <sighs> and he goes that's that's where you find all of a that. lot of secrets like the things you don't talk about is the things that are probably going to keep getting passed on because nobody's dealing with them spiritually then it made me think right i think it was somewhere that i read it was talking about how you know how people say like, oh, your family is just your family or whatever. And people say blood is thicker than anything. But mm -hmm. I, I used to think, oh, no, you can have thick con uh, like thick connect connections with other people. You but thick water. Yeah, but I thought about <laughs> it. Like, I was like, no, if I believe that our spirits choose these families to, to come back to, to bring themselves into, mm -hmm. there is a reason for that. There is a lesson that needs to yep. be learned. So all of these are interconnected. And now kind of... I see it more before I used to see them as separate things, mm -hmm. but now I'm starting to just, I feel like I'm picking up this book and I'm picking up this book mm. and it's all very much interconnected. It's all part of like the circle of life. It being beyond the physical, it's just all part of one. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm glad. Um, yeah. This conversation just flowed perfectly. Like, because I came to the table wanting to speak about younger self and then the epigenetics. I think it's been a very, very um, amazing conversation. Literally. Um, do you want to just read out the title of the book so yes. people can get it? Because um, that book sounds amazing. It's, it's called It Didn't Start With You by Mark something, but I, I can't find the um, end They should bit. be able to find it though. Yeah, um, it's, it literally is just called It Didn't Start With You and great book. Like mm -hmm. I'm not finished with it, but it's such a great book to just make you, ref to make you reflect mm -hmm. on a lot of things. And there's going to be things that you're going to end up discovering. Like in the book, he uh, he pauses at certain stages and tell you, okay, get a get a pen and paper, mm. write this. 
okay Damn. write this write this write that and if you obviously if you get it on pdf you you have actually at the back of the book apparently he has a pdf breakdown of what how to fill in these family tree things oh, to kind okay. of get get a, just further knowledge of yourself i think mm. sometimes we saw we saw we saw especially the people that listen to us so eager to seek knowledge outside of yourself you don't Everything forget about yeah. There you go. The knowledge and information mm-hmm. you need from inside in order to help everybody and be of service to others. Yeah, 100%. I think, yeah, I'm definitely going to look into that. And do you know what? Me and my sister are the the inquisitive ones of the family. And my sister's very, very inquisitive. So she's been asking me questions about like our family. Who's this? Who's that? Who's this? Who's that? And it's good, you know, because that's how I think she found me as well, because me and my sister have same dad, different mums. I found my older sister and I have a younger brother. But even us just connecting like the dots that we can connect. But there's still so many questions I have. I was even asking my mom, like, what did my grandma do for work as a young woman? You know, there's so many things that I don't know. And also for the women, it's important to know, like the health of your your grandmother's wounds and your mother's wounds. Did your mum's? You know, have issues with their wombs growing up. Um, did your grandmothers, your aunties? So, definitely, man. Like, everything starts from within, and we don't have to search too far to find out this information. To find out this information, sorry, we can just literally go to the source, and the mother is the source of everything. So, there you go. Yeah. Sure such a great little episode i know i'm so excited (laughs) this is one of my favorite episodes yeah i'm really excited because i felt like we started at two like completely separate directions and then it just kind of swiftly just became into one so i'm excited um hopefully you guys come back next week yeah got some more stuff to talk about yeah and we out (laughs) yeah thank you oh raise god (laughs) (laughs) i need a week Okay, well, thank you for tuning in. I will say thank you on behalf of Ray as well. Um, thank you, guys. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at WWOS Podcast. <laughs> and yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Make sure you give us feedback. Let us know what you thought and whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, hope you took some valuable keys from this conversation because this was a very 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 important i'm happy with this one conversation so yeah see you guys later bye bye